Good morning, Senator. Thanks for calling in today. Good morning, Senator. Uh, Good morning, Mark and Joe. I do appreciate that. At this time last year, we talked about uh, how the budget was going to fall together during the pandemic. At the time, uh, you said there actually just would be sufficient funds, uh, well, I'm going to say here and there, but of course, after a lot of review and consternation, probably down in Harrisburg, that a balanced budget would come forth, and one did. Uh, Tell us about this year's budget process. You don't have some of the fundings that you were able to rely on last year. Last year was uh, very, very unusual. We ended up doing a two-part budget, uh, if you recall. We did a budget at the end of May, uh, which provided uh, five-tenths or five-twelfths funding for most agencies uh, other than for uh, education and some human services uh, cases. And then we finished it up in November. Uh, but uh, this year, and look, I'll, I'll be straight up, it's as a result of the, uh, the $1.9 trillion dollar um, package that the federal government put together. Pennsylvania, over the next uh, two years, is going to be, uh, I say state government uh, in Pennsylvania, is going to be getting $7.3 billion. Uh, And so as a result of that, and also running ahead of uh, the governor's projections, uh, we should be able to, um, I say this jokingly, I guess, fairly easily put together a budget uh, May or June of this year for the full year. That's certainly a great windfall, Senator Gordner. So uh, how are you going to decide how to apply it? Are you just going to cover the existing budget? Some states are talking about starting new programs, which is a little concerning since this was money designed to uh, prop you up after a disaster. So what's Pennsylvania going to do, in your opinion? Uh, We're still waiting for final guidance uh, from Treasury. Uh, There is some concerns right now um, because there are certain uh, ways, and I don't have the sheet of paper in front of me, that we can use it. But if our revenues uh, currently are more than they were two years ago, it limits the amount of places that we can use the money. Now, uh, interestingly, uh, California and New York, and I'm not sure if you know where Pelosi and Schumer are from, uh, but they're in the same predicament we are. So we are expecting uh, the guidance from Treasury to uh, be a little more flexible and allow us to use it for other uh, purposes and uh, to, to fill in holes. But we do have to be careful. Uh, for those of us that were around back in uh, 2009, 2010, uh, when we had the uh, Obama stimulus monies and then 2011 came along and it all dried up, uh, that was uh, when Rendell left office and Corbett came in, and uh, we had issues. So uh, we want to be careful about how we use these monies. Any thought of using them to uh, take or improve the pension plan, as uh, some states apparently will try to do? The uh, guidance from, actually, the, the in the legislation, it says that you cannot use it to prop up, prop up pension fa- uh, plans, and you also cannot use it for tax cut purposes. I don't know that the uh, the guidance from Treasury is going to change in regard to those two issues. Well, you could do what ended up happening to Governor Corbett, where it appeared after that federal money ran out, it made it look like he had uh, misspent all the money, and that probably contributed to the end of his term. Perhaps the same thing, the net effect could be with the Governor Wolf, so you get a change in, in leadership there if, if the expiration of federal dollars appears to be uh, on his uh, footsteps. So just a, a passing thought there. Uh, let's talk about 
about nursing homes and investigations and the pandemic. There's really a lot happening there. So give us an overview of, uh, of how the uh, state legislature is looking into what happened in nursing homes. Yeah, I think uh, much like New York, uh, it really was a colossal mistake uh, by the Wolf administration uh, early on, probably one of the biggest mistakes uh, that they made in uh, sending uh, COVID positive people back into the nursing home setting. Uh, which they did uh, for quite a long time. They did it immediately back in March and April and then did it uh, for months after that. And again, going back to how, if you remember how this sort of all started in the United States out in Washington State, uh, they had uh, a a nursing home uh, facility out there where like everybody got infected. So that was uh, the first example of what not to do. And uh, if you remember, there for a while, we had the New York governor, the New Jersey governor, and, and Tom Wolf that were all collaborating and working together and doing things similarly, and they all did the same thing as, uh, as it related to nursing homes and sending COVID possible or positive people back in the nursing home settings and infecting a lot of uh, people, and uh, that's why we had so many deaths there. From your view in the Senate, Senator... How, how, how would you rate Pennsylvania's effort with respect to the virus and getting people, getting shots in people's arms right now? If you're asking me right now, uh, this, this Thursday, uh, 25th or whatever it is, uh, much, much better. And uh, I'm going to give a whole lot of credit uh, to the uh, task force on vaccines that the governor appointed. Uh, it, it's the sort of stuff that we had been asking the governor to do for the last 12 months is to uh, put uh, people of uh, different backgrounds and different opinions into the room uh, to discuss how to do things. And he finally did that uh, with this uh, vaccine task force. Uh, Ryan Ament from Lancaster County is, is our person on there. And uh, I think things have gotten a lot better uh, just recently in regard to uh, hearing the concerns because as, as you probably well know, we were at the bottom of the the country in regard to percentages of, of getting people vaccinated. But that's that's made a big turn, uh, really, even just in the last couple of weeks. You think we'll be able to make uh, the president's May 1st deadline for making the shots available to everybody over the age of 16? I think we're well on our way. Now, I just saw, uh, matter of fact, last night around 8 or 9 o'clock, we get emails, uh, which is good, from the, the various departments and the, the, the one-shot uh, which we were supposed to get uh, a lot more supply next week. Uh, we're, we're not getting. Uh, we've heard from the Biden administration, so that's disappointing. That was a shot that uh, the, the first couple of doses uh, went to uh, the schools and, and folks working in school communities, so that's disappointing. Um, I'm just going to mention my father. My 89-year-old father, uh, as of uh, yesterday, still was not vaccinated. Uh, in January, he went for a VA appointment, and they set him up for March 30th. And I had tried uh, just through normal means, uh, not trying to use any senatorial uh, privilege type of thing, but just normal means, and was unsuccessful. And then, lo and behold, uh, it seems as things were getting uh, more available. I called uh, I called uh, the Geisinger hotline number that was in our press enterprise. I called Susquehanna Valley Medicine, and my dad called me, and he. Uh, uh, he ended up with an appointment today, uh, Saturday, and the VA next week. Um, so uh, he actually is going today 
uh, to get his first vaccine, and again, he's 89. So I think it shows that uh, the, the supply is opening up for that 1A uh, group, and I think uh, it's it's going to get better. Let's go back to nursing homes real quick. Uh, is the state Senate involved in investigating the governor's uh, care of nursing homes? Yes. So uh, Judy Ward uh, is the chair of the Aging and Youth Committee. She has had hearings, and uh, just, uh, well, I think Monday or so, uh, her and Senator John Udicek, uh, had a, a, a joint press conference on talking about some of the things that they're doing. Uh, this ended up being a, a busy week, and I got knee, uh, not knee deep, but uh, elbow deep in the uh, statute of limitations issues, so I, I wasn't able to read what all they, they did at the press conference. But, yes, we are uh, paying attention. Uh, we're having hearings, and uh, I know I think maybe Monday was the, the two of them unveiling some solutions as to what they think we ought to do going forward. To this day, the Department of Health says that they know of no cases where someone was reinfected at a nursing home, or was infected in a nursing home because someone who was readmitted. Does that seem consistent? We, we have lay people no. who tell us that's no. not true. <laughs> no. Let's uh, move on to the statute of limitations, which you mentioned. What's, what's going to eventually happen there? The governor and the, his administration messed it up by not putting that ad in the, uh, in the media to let people know that it was going to be on the uh, ballot. So what, what is going to happen there, in your opinion? Colossal failure by uh, the Department of State and uh, Attorney General Josh Shapiro, uh, from my perspective. Uh, when the legislature passes a constitutional amendment, uh, the Department of State knows that they've got to do two things. They've got to draft the language for it, and they also know that they have to publish it. Uh, the Attorney General's office knows that uh, when the Department of State prepares the language that it's got to be submitted to the Attorney General's office and reviewed and then uh, returned back in time for them to publish it. So there's two entities, uh, the Department of State and Josh Shapiro, uh, who uh, know that they've got responsibilities in it and there should be multiple people that uh, track it. In my 28 years, and I, I don't know, we've looked back 50 years, uh, this has never happened. Uh, and, uh, and, and here's just the mind-boggling thing, is there were other constitutional amendments that needed to go through that whole process at the same time. I, I don't know how you do one and not do the other. So um, the Wolf administration has been very quiet. Uh, Josh Shapiro has been very quiet. Uh, there's right to no requests in. Uh, they say it's a, a clerical issue, but uh, it's got to be a systematic issue. Again, there was another constitutional amendment that got through the whole process at the same time. <laughs> so I don't know, but it's a colossal failure uh, for those victims uh, that uh, have been looking for decades for um, some further uh, relief. Will it get and, resolved, and though? Will it get resolved, Senator? Yeah, so, well, what we just did this week, uh, we did it on Tuesday, the House did it uh, yesterday, uh, was uh, we started the whole process over again. There was a push uh, to do um, an emergency amendment. Um, I wasn't even aware that there was provisions in um, Article 11 of the Constitution dealing with emergency amendments. Uh, we did research and uh, since the 1968 convention and constitution, it's only been used uh, like two times, and it was both after uh, Hurricane Agnes. 
because uh, it says in order to use an emergency process, there has to be an emergency or a pending emergency, and and uh, you have to meet the, all criteria. It has to uh, directly affect the health and welfare of the citizens of the Commonwealth. And uh, the only time that that's been used, because it shortens uh, the period from uh, two sessions to just uh, maybe months, is uh, what was uh, after uh, Agnes in 72. So we ended up uh, just going through the regular process again, and we did adopt it, but it means that it's going to be two more years now till uh, we're able to get it before the voters. Which uh, amendment did pass, the one limiting the governor's powers? That is on the ballot in May. Uh, that one made. And that's one, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so the one, yeah, that's the other one that uh, we did at the same time. And, and uh, you know, the governor hates that one. Uh, and you can tell, by the way, they <laughs> misworded the, the question. It, it's horrendous. I've never seen one so biased. Mm-hmm. Uh, Williamsport uh, newspaper did an incredible editorial. Um, they said, and, and they said, we're not lawyers, but here's how we would word it. And it was perfect. Um, but, yeah, that, that question uh, limiting the uh, governor's emergency powers uh, to 21 days and then uh, from there on making sure that the legislature is involved in the process will be on the ballot in May, and I would urge everyone to vote yes. Why can't you reword that? I mean, you pass the measures that are putting it there. I guess that, that's... Uh, in, the future, in the future, we may, um, and actually there's a, a logical uh, suggestion but uh, in the past, uh, we've uh, the, the the statute uh, uh, that sets it up, and it's not in the Constitution; it's in the statute, so we can change it. Um, has the Department of State uh, writing the wording? It goes to the Attorney General to review, and then the Department of State publishes it. But again, in my 28 years, I've never seen uh, such a slanted question as with this one. But uh, what's been suggested is to have the nonpartisan legislative reference bureau, and and that's the entity that, that drafts bills for Democrats, Republicans, House, uh, Senate. But is to have them draft uh, the language because they they truly are a a nonpartisan entity, and and that may be the way to go in the future. The governor has said after the horrendous shootings that have occurred over the past week that in Pennsylvania we will not tolerate hate, we will not tolerate discrimination, and we we will not tolerate gun violence. So what legislatively is he proposing to do about stopping those three things, and do they have any chance of passing? You're going to have to ask him. I've not (laughs) seen him uh, put forth anything different uh, in the last couple of days. Uh, Look, all we need to... uh, um, stop hate, uh, and uh, I think we all can agree on that, I hope. Uh, and uh, the gun violence in um, Philadelphia, for instance, uh, is, is horrible. Uh, it is up dramatically over the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, those of us from my side, um, you know, point to the uh, district attorney that was elected down there, the district attorney who was funded by the very uh, wealthy uh, Democratic um, billionaire uh, whose uh, name is escaping me at the moment. <laughs> yeah, us too. Um, We're looking at each other. <laughs> anyway, okay, so you, that's the factor you, there. You, you, yeah, you, wait, who is it? We couldn't think of it. We're, we're, we're blank. Yeah. All we come up with is George Soros. Yeah, blanking, blanking as well, but he got involved in a whole lot of uh, district attorney races around the country uh, based on quote unquote criminal justice. 
and uh, they uh, they've done a lot of things there since he got elected. Uh, they've eliminated uh, uh, no cash bail. Uh, they're not incarcerating people for a number of different offenses. Um, they're releasing people uh, early, uh, and uh, the gun uh, gun violence down there has exploded. Uh, matter of fact, I think this past weekend uh, was was just I don't know a dozen or more. Uh, uh, instances, and the mayor and council said, uh, you know, we all need to do something uh, to stop this horrendous violence. But uh, in Philly, you can date it back to when uh, this DA started taking office and stopped prosecuting criminals and stopped putting them away in jail and releasing them. New gun laws in Pennsylvania, part of the solution or part of the problem? I don't know about part of the problem. Uh, you know, I always, and, and, and it's tough, I, I listen uh, to the, uh, the the senators from from the Philadelphia area, and and I always I I say this jokingly but truthfully I mean I've I've got more guns than people uh, in in my senatorial district, and and yet we don't have the uh, the issues with the violence. Um, from time to time there'll be a, a domestic uh, case, um, but uh, thankfully it's it's rare rare, and uh, because uh, people are responsible in regard to the guns. Uh, you know, they're, they're, it's a generational type of thing in regard to uh, learning uh, safe uh, gun use. And uh, we, we have DAs that uh, put people away and, and make sure that if they did do something with gun uh, by the gun, uh, they're in jail and not uh, a threat to go after anyone else. We got a text from Larry Krasner saying, I will not be forgotten. So he's the DA in Philadelphia. He is the DA, yeah. I can't remember the uh, the guy that financed him and the Soros? San Francisco George DA Soros? and others. And that's what I thought, but I could be wrong. George Soros? Oh, yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. Yeah. Okay. One last yep. question, Senator. Out of the House Transportation Committee, the radar bill passed, I believe, unanimously. <laughs> it's now headed uh, for the full House. And in the past, the Senate has been the one to pass it, and the House has been the one that has been the problem. Is the Senate going to come through again this year? I would believe so. We have a new uh, transportation chair, and uh, it's Wayne Langerholtz. Uh, but, uh, boy, at least the last two sessions, uh, we, regardless of who the uh, chair was, uh, we've passed a uh, radar bill uh, with some reasonable provisions in it in regard to size and uh, whether there's a uh, police department there or not. But uh, I, I think, again, we're the only state in the country that doesn't have that radar um, in, in place. So I think it's, it's, it's time, again, with some responsible uh, provisions in it. And I see this time the State Police Troopers Association has withdrawn their objection because they're going to get LIDAR, at least out of, and moving radar, allowed to use radar out of moving vehicles, while local police will have to stay stationary. <laughs> but still, it's a step in the right direction. I know that's one that uh, the mayor of Schmokin Dam's been interested in. <laughs> whatever will we talk Dear about. Dear to my heart, John. <laughs> whatever will we talk about when this is passed. Is there anything critically important you wish to add, anything we didn't ask you, uh, anything to add, Senator? No, uh, just uh, we're we're busy here in Harrisburg. Uh, we do need to get the economy uh, opened again. The governor's made some additional uh, changes, but he made them prospective for I think Easter Sunday. Um, but uh, you know, uh, we continue to need need to be safe uh, and uh, be responsible. Um, the numbers are up uh, the last couple of days, so we don't want anything uh, changing in regard to opening up. But uh, we need to continue to push out the vaccines and the vaccinations uh, because I think that, that can and will make a, a big difference as we move forward.
All right, we'll keep in touch. You know that we will bug you again for another appearance. So thank you so much for carving out time in what we know is a busy week. There's a lot going on in Harrisburg, and we know you're in, involved in the leadership. Thank keep you, up sir. the great work, John. Thank you. Yep. Good talk to you guys. Take Have a great care. Day. Thank you. you. The State Senator John Gordner, uh, State Senator 27th uh, District, a Berwick resident, Republican whip in the state uh, Senate, and probably about the seventh time he's been on WDKOK's On the Mark since the pandemic began, primarily with things related to the pandemic, but some general legislative topics, too.